Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome, dear friends, to another exciting hour of the Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring the evolution of relationships. As a species, we are like misfiring brains whose neurons no longer connect with each other, robbing us of coherent and unified thought. We think of ourselves as separate beings, isolated from each other, and indeed, that is what we presently are. Yet, a new ancient design is unfolding, one of collective and coherent intelligence. It consists of many variant members, each individual being a single neuron in the greater whole. Independently, each of us create neurological relationships within our brains that function as subroutines. Subroutines are a stepwise series of actions that, when repeated, perform a unified routine. Subroutines serve as a continuum 
greatly shortening the time, attention, and effort required to complete a task. When we look at the potential of subroutines in regards to a collection of individuals rather than single cells within a brain, we uncover the concept of soul teams, numerous individuals coming together functioning as a whole with a common spiritual goal. The potential intelligence of the neurological union of a soul team is astounding. However, the connection between the soul team members is not formed with the mind, but with the heart. These potential relationships of the future based in unity, love, and common purpose can ignite an evolution of consciousness that transforms the world. How does one participate in this evolution? Where does it originate? What's the price of entry? Will it serve the individual? Or will it be like becoming the Borg? With us this hour to discuss the evolution of relationships is Patricia Albier, internationally known contemporary spiritual teacher and author who is at ground zero of an evolutionary stream of spiritual awakening, one in which we can learn to go beyond individual psychology and transformation into a new space of mutual awakening. She's the author of Evolutionary Relationships, Unleashing the Power of Mutual Awakening, and the founder and director of the Evolutionary Collective. Her website, evolutionarycollective.com. Patricia, thanks so much for being with us on the Science of Magic. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, so nice to have you here. Thank so you. what exactly is an evolutionary relationship? Well, it was interesting what you were reading. Um, an evolutionary relationship is two different things. One is it's putting in people's minds and in their consciousness the possibility of a new possibility of being related. You know, normally, I think most people's relationships, we just kind of operate out of whatever's there, whatever's happening, whatever particular chemistry or connection that we have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if we just wake up a little bit more, uh, especially people who I would imagine your audiences are, you know, people that are spiritually pursuing um, their own individual paths in different ways, that there's a way that you can come together with another person, another human being, and consciously create moving into what um, Maslow would talk about is the very highest level of human possibility, which is in the transcenders. And it's being able to share and cultivate, you know, a spiritual dimension of relatedness that, you know, has a lot of different pieces to it. But it also changes your consciousness. The part that I'm the most fascinated with is there's a different way of being related that actually shifts your consciousness entirely. And then the possibility of, like you were saying, what did you call them? The sub? Subroutines. We're going to no, have no, to take no, no, a quick... No, not a sub, not a sub We're, anyway, we're going to have to take a quick break and, break and pick up with this subject on the other side. Uh, but first, let me tell you about an exciting upcoming provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment, shamanic style. Pathom Shamanic Art School, Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow, and Children of Tomorrow, Galactic Gatekeepers are revolutionary affordable series of online classes designed to support you and your family during these times of transition. You can find them at findyourpathhome.com. Patricia and I will return, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic, aired daily on xzbn.net. Prior episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest is ours, Patricia Albier author of Evolutionary Relationships, Unleashing the Power of Mutual Awakening, and the founder and director of the Evolutionary Collective. Her website, evolutionarycollective.com. Patricia, we were talking about, I believe, subroutines. You'd ask me something. Well, no, I was just saying that there's two elements of an evolutionary relationship. One is the possibility of creating that with a friend or a partner, you know, which is a much higher level of relating. And then the other dimension of it is that it starts to create a different consciousness. And, and you were talking about, not subroutines, but the s- soul teams. Oh, yes, soul teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is interesting, because the Evolutionary Collective, I'm not sure what your definition is of soul team, but we have over 100 people from around the world who are ongoingly committed to the exploration of the consciousness, the creativity, and the love that's possible in a um, in a collective that's focused on something other than just people's individual transformation. So um, you said something about how it's different when you are working together as a team in relationship. Would you go into that a little bit, please? In an in, in an individual relationship or in the collective relationship? Well, let's just start individual and then work out from there. Okay. Um, so if you if we go to Maslow, you know, ma- level of relationship can be on. The lowest level, not low as in, you know, a problem, but logistics, you know, physical survival, going to Safeway, buying food, you know, furnishing the house. You know, if you're doing a, a, a normal, you know, let's say marriage kind of relationship. Um, oh, you mean relating around those kind of issues? Yeah. And, and right, some gotcha. people, unfortunately, if they think about it, sometimes your relationship gets reduced to that. <laughs> you know, it's not that hard. Um the next level up is creating safety, you know, is making sure that there's a safety physically and emotionally between you, which also gets lost, you know, not easily. Um, that can actually get lost, too, um, in the relationship. So building safety. Then the next level is a sense of belonging. Um, 
and building, you know, greater trust and greater levels of connectivity. If you keep going up and you can do sexuality on every level level too, you know, from a base level to the divine, you move up into, um, you know, normal relationships. The highest level is actualization. So you have two people that are pretty developed. They're full in their lives. They want to contribute to one another and to the world. And the relationship is about that kind of sharing, you know, with each other, um, being successful and also giving to the world in some way. So it's like a spiritual partnership. Well, no, that's like, that can be a very high level normal. You can have two people that are not spiritual that are very full and have a very full relationship in that way. Um, what an evolutionary relationship is, is another level beyond that, which has to do with a level that Maslow was not as well known for, but he had put down as transcenders. And the transcenders are those human beings who then become fascinated with the spiritual dimension of life, you know, with the experiences and the openings and the kind of mystical dimensions that uh, are in the, you know, if, if reality exists, 4% is what we can see, there's 96% we can't, you know, they get fascinated with the 96%, not at the cost of the 4%, you know, of emotions and feelings and your house and the various other things that people pay attention to. But there's an unending world of spiritual experiences that can be shared, particularly because you're in a relationship with another person in the right way. Okay, so don't you have to pretty much attend to all the lower levels before you can have the uh, strength or balance in a relationship to then transcend it? Yes, and, and I, my guess is, you know, we have millions of people on the planet that are attending to those other things, you know, and there are people teaching people how to move from, you know, a better sense of self-esteem, loving yourself, um, et cetera. But there are uh, millions of people that are kind of ready, but they don't really know how to go beyond, like, like they don't see a possibility of a level of relatedness that evolution is actually trying to call forth from many of us. Um, yeah. How can you, how can you tell that's the case? I think that the, you know, some of the signals is people get bored. You know, there's a kind of, I don't want to take another workshop. You know, I'm, I, I don't want to read another, you know, the five tips to how to become more something or other. I mean, for some people, that's very exciting. And then it starts towards, you know, having done a fair amount of work. Doesn't mean that any of us are, are done, but it stops being, um, I don't know, there's something missing in it. And I think when people start feeling that restlessness, the possibility of moving beyond, you know, beginning to pay attention to something other than their own subjective experience. You know, we, you know, we think everything is about us and our, you know, inner sense of things and our, you know, direct connection to the divine. And I mean, there's actually 7.5 billion people on the planet and it's time for us to discover a kind of awakening together. That's called what I call mutual awakening. You know, okay. when how can you tell that it's time for that? What's, what are the markers here? Well, I mean, if you look at evolution, you know, when meditation and prayer and, and the, you know, most of the religions were created, it was over 5,000 years ago. And there were very few people on the planet. There's a speed. Uh, the internet is pointing to what quantum physics, phys, you know, um, scientists are pointing to, which is they're saying that we are, we are only interconnected that actually there are no solid, there's no there there. You know, we think there's all these solid little people and 
atoms and molecules, you know, moving around in empty space that we're learning how to manipulate in different ways. And the quantum scientists are saying, no, actually, really, everything, what exists is influence and exchange. So and, it's the influence and exchange that spiritual um, awakening is starting to search for. Yeah. And different than individual, you know, I think that the, the, the new period that we're moving into, which is huge, it is, is very different than the last axial period was all the religions and our individuation in the world and all the development that we've accomplished, which is huge in the last 5,000 years. I mean, the world was very, very different then, um, is that we're now, we are, we are 7.5 billion people moving towards 8, 9, 10 very quickly. Well, you know, it sounds it sounds pretty darn disruptive, though. I mean, it's it's like such a, a reversal in the way that we think and the way that we operate. Uh, what happens to the status quo? Well, hopefully, the status quo gets disrupted. <laughs> we could use a little of that, right? <laughs> we could use a little disruption. I mean, I think if we look into the world, we see that a lot of what's going on is individual agendas at c competing with each other is never going to work. Well, and it's we are certainly we, causing a few problems. That's a fact. And and we we so identify with our individual subjective sense of self. You know, it's all about my feelings, my thoughts, my opinions, even my transformation. And what what I'm teaching, uh, there's a practice that that we do that allows people to start to loosen the grip of being so utterly uh, self-absorbed. And to start to open your consciousness so that you're incredibly in touch with yourself. Like you don't lose that, but it, your consciousness starts to flow. It's more what the scientists point to. So I can feel you, like I can get inside you and I can experience your subjective experience. I can experience my own at the same time. And I can actually feel what's happening between us. And I can feel what's happening in the larger field. And this multidimensional awareness may sound kind of far-fetched. You know, people are like, oh my God, I, I could never do that. But it's so natural. I mean, it's the it's most, most natural thing. It's just you have to learn how to break the grip of self-expression. Shaman, shaman have been doing that for 50 to 60,000 years. It's nothing new. Shamans have been doing what? Being that interconnectedness you're talking about, where I can see the world through you as well as through myself and um, you know, bridge between the physical reality and the spiritual interconnectedness of all things. I, possibly. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I know people that have studied a lot of shamanism. I don't see them with, maybe the shamans are like that, but the people studying it, I don't see them. Right. The more mechanized, it's still just step-by-step by, step by. It's, it's the ground level stuff, but well, the, the masters were, were interconnected and that was the whole point. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what I notice is in, in the world, in the Western world, and I think in most Eastern religions as well, what we've just learned how to do, subjective means my inner world. We've been developing our inner world, which is has a membrane around it. Mm -hmm. And it has a focus. And that development needs to happen to become a vehicle for what you're talking about. Is that correct? Right. But then you have to develop beyond that because I know lots of meditators and people that have non-dual awakenings who do not experience the consciousness that I'm pointing to, which it has right. to do with, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. But, you know, when watching the birds in a flock or fish in a school or wolves in a pack, for that matter, it would appear that animals already enjoy this evolutionary relationship. What happened to humans? 
Well, I think they do, but they're not, we don't know if they're self-reflective. You know, they haven't, you know, I, I communicate pretty deeply with my two cats, but I don't know, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure how much of it they're fully aware of. Um, so I, I think that nothing happened to us. I think that we're, we're about to develop into a further capability. I don't think we're going back to, to a herd-like mentality, which would be more like the Borg. I think right. we're, we're, we're moving towards a multidimensional interconnectedness where my incredible uniqueness and individuation is more accentuated by the fact that I'm in that deep connectivity with you and with, let's say, you know, the other people in the room. So like a jigsaw puzzle, if I'm not exactly like I am in my uniqueness, I have no place in the whole. Yeah. So to lose your uniqueness, you lose your place in the whole as well. Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's a good metaphor. <laughs> so what happens to our individuality when we devolve and, um, excuse me, dissolve into evolutionary relationship? Do they coexist? What goes on? Yeah, it becomes more heightened. Um, it's a little bit like when you really fall in love, you know, with a like a soulmate, you know, something where there's a real awakening. You're not just in some kind of projection with the other person. Mm -hmm. I think in my experience, um, you know, the work that I, I have created came out of a, a mutual profound spiritual awakening for four years with a man that um, named Peter, who, who then died. And my experience of being seen by him from the deepest place of, you know, it was calling forth the divinity in me that I had never witnessed myself and vice versa. So I felt my uniqueness and my beauty and my power and, you know, the, the, the places that you kind of hope that you are <laughs> is, was so seen. And then because of his witnessing and the, the evolutionary relationship that we were having, it was able to, to get roots and to grow and to develop without me having to be all about working on me. So it's a more of a reflective thing between the two of you? It's reflective. I call it spondic love. Spondic love is, you know, most spiritual work has to do with the I am, mm -hmm. getting to the place of I am. Spondic is I am. And then this energy that comes through our whole being May you be. It's like when you, uh, do you have children? I do. You do. Okay. So and I we're, we're going to have to pick up with Spondic on the other side of a quick break here, but I really want to go into it. It's fascinating. Uh, it's time for another short pause. Patricia and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break. So don't go away. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network, where new and exciting things are always afoot. You don't want to miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, 
at WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our special guest this hour is Patricia Albier, author of Evolutionary Relationships, Unleashing the Power of Mutual Awakening, and the founder and director of Evolutionary Collective. Her website, evolutionarycollective.com. Patricia, we were just getting into something uh, really interesting. Uh, what, would, what was you called it? The um... Spondic Love? Yeah, yeah. Um, so spondic spondic means is the consciousness of I am and let's say you and I are sitting across from each other and my experience is I was asking if you had children because I think it's the easiest place to find that sense of it's like you want to give everything you want them to have life and have it abundantly like there's something that wants to jump through you to them and it's so full and it's so um, unconditional and absolute. It's an energy. It's a certain kind of, a particular kind of love that I call spondic love. Um, Tehar de Chardin, the Jesuit priest, um, was the one who coined the phrase. And when we do mutual awakening practice, so when you're in an evolutionary relationship and you're doing practices together rather than, let's say, med- you know, you can still meditate alone, but then you come together to build the connectivity and the awareness and the awakeness together. Um, part of it is spondic, you know, part of it is this experience of recognizing each other, but then the sense of I am, may you be, and, and what we call it is in and for each other. So you feel like, you know, that you are so in and for the other person. It is the antidote to um, envy, competition, and separation. Well, it seems to me like that's really going to be... Um... A long stretch for a lot of people because a lot of people are so lost in themselves that I think even the concept would, would be out of reach. It's the funny thing is, I, I know even when people are very depressed or, you know, they're, I mean, I, I'm not saying people who are really not okay. Um, I think that's a different conversation. You know, if somebody's really, really wounded, then they need to get the wound healed and they need help in that. But, you know, sort of normal, sometimes depressed, sometimes angry, sometimes, you know, I don't know where I'm going in my life, you know, kind of people. If you sit them down, because I've worked with thousands of people, you know, and you sit them across from even a person who's a stranger, somebody they don't even necessarily have chemistry with. When you take them to this deeper place of being, which I call the origination point. So it's not your personality. It's not your likes and dislikes. It's not your... It's even deeper than the soul. It's like this opening that you are that is the most unique place to come from that's you. It's like where everything arises through. And you can, and even though people go, well, I wouldn't know how to find that, when you have them sitting down and you point them, they can find it because it's there, because it's real. And then you, when you're sitting across from the person and you, have, you just look into their eyes and you don't have to like them 
But you can feel that when those two places connect, and they're like two fragrances, two fragrances can interpenetrate. Two objects can't. Two flowers can't interpenetrate. Two stones can't, but two fragrances can. Then this experience of spondic love, or energy is probably a better word for it, is, is unbelievably available and very human and natural to the interconnectedness that we are. Does it function through the, the heart chakra? I think it's bigger than that. I think it obviously includes that, but it's more total. It isn't more just like the, belly, more like body, the head. Entire energetic field. It's all of it. I mean, you can see it. Like when we watch television, you see, you know, people, the first responders, you know, helping. There's something, our hearts like, like jump. You know, when people care about each other, you can feel the joy in it. Like there's some place that is so innate. They're helping strangers. I mean, they may have some other ego reasons for doing it, but, but we we're moved because we know it exists in us. We root for each other. And when that is activated and ignited, we have a different possibility in the world and it's there. So how, how can this mutual awakening, um, to part of a, become a part of a larger movement of consciousness? You mentioned that it can. Yes. um, Well, there's a practice. I mean, there's a practice that I created out of being in this particular love awakening for four years with a very beautiful man. And it takes a half an hour. Um, We teach it. You know, if people go to the website, you know, they can download three chapters of my book for free um, and start to get, you know, some insight into this whole thing. And we teach it online. Um, we teach it in person. We, I have uh, 16 teachers at this point that are teaching in various cities around the world. And it's like learning meditation or yoga. It's a, it's a very simple practice called mutual awakening. And people can then begin to do that as a spiritual practice, you know, with people they don't know. And then, and then very beautifully with, you know, the people that they do know that are open and willing to, you know, have a deeper relationship i mean i can so, tell you how practice works but I, i'm not sure when the next break is <laughs> <laughs> yeah you never know when those things sneak up on you right? those breaks are gonna come <laughs> <laughs> so how did you discover mutual awakening was that with peter yeah i mean we lived he was a, a deep deep mystic meditator beautiful man and i had uh, worked for landmark for werner Earhart for 12 years and from the very beginning and had you know sort of a had worked with tens of thousands of people. And so when we collided uh, in love, we, the yes to each other and the opening and the desire to be really connected was very full. And so I think that the universe then took us on um, and started to really purify and open and take us places that I, you know, I, I'd need a lot longer to tell you about, but, um, <laughs> you, you know, I don't do this very often, but uh, I'd like to, I'd like to read a quote from your book. Oh, okay. <laughs> from the moment Peter and I met something was set into motion that we couldn't control. It was as though the pattern of our oneness already existed engraved in the fabric of the cosmos, just waiting for us to stop resisting its gravitational pull. That was lovely. And with that said, do certain people choose to incarnate at this time to engage in evolutionary relationships? Yeah, I, what I find is when I'm out, you know, communicating like this, you know, speaking and doing uh, public events, for some people, I don't make any sense at all. Like some people just go, I have no idea what she's talking about. And other people, 
something turns on. And I think that many people are coded for this next level of evolution. Mm-hmm. They don't even know why. It's almost like a smell. Like they're not even exactly sure, but they're longing for something more. And they, that's, that's what mutual awakening, that's what this, this collective awakening and discovering how we can awaken together and what are the potentials and possibilities that the universe is drawing forth. Well, are there symptoms? I mean, you know, you're just walking around, searching around just in your day-to-day life. And are there symptoms that would indicate you have an opportunity to engage in this kind of a relationship with someone else? Um, well, I think, I think knowing how to do it is not necessarily just going to come to you. Just like meditate. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, Buddha figured out meditation by himself, but most people are taught, you know, they're taken into the space or yoga um, like this, the, the symptoms of knowing that you, that you should investigate and find out more and find out how to do it is if you feel kind of lonely, like even though you have like friends and, you know, spiritually you're pretty fulfilled, there's some level of exchange that's not really deeply satisfying. You're longing for more depth. You're longing for going into new places, you know, with others instead of sort of trafficking in the same places, even if it's spiritual, you know, even if somebody's sharing their deep experience and story, like I've done that for 40, I've listened to people and I love that, but there's something separate. I still feel separate unless there's this opening, like tired of feeling separate, uh, tired of working so hard on, you know, I have to be grateful and then I have to do this. And, you know, there's like all these things that, you know, we're supposed to be doing, working on ourselves. It is a kind of exhaustion in that, that's longing for some other way. It sounds like if you're already in a, a relationship, um, like a marriage, mm-hmm. that it could be pretty disruptive if the two of you aren't moving in that direction at the same time. Well, it could, but the thing that was interesting, I was with the group of the people in the Elder Shade Collective and a number of the people shared who are in marriages and then people that are, you know, wanting to be in relationship, they were saying they're so fulfilled, like the level of relatedness that we're sharing is so nurturing and has so much depth and so much uh, a sense of exchange that it puts less pressure on your marriage or you know, like you're able to then share that instead of like, that's the only place that it's possible, maybe, you know, to have that sort of deep, deep intimacy and a kind of, you know, really like rich exchange. So we do put too much pressure on our relationships to expect them to fulfill us, don't we? Well, I think it's because the separateness is so normal in the way that we live our lives. And so that's the only place where it looks like you have a chance to not be separate. And what I'm, you know, the movement that we're engaged in is the dissolving of separateness is normal. The dissolving of the concept that separateness is normal? Yeah, the consciousness. I mean, I I liken it to like, if you know, if you and I went back to the South in the 50s and we (laughs) walked around and we were talking to people, we we would just be like, oh, my God, this is crazy. It would feel crazy the way, you know, they treat women and, you know, people that are, of you know, different ethnicities. And I mean, you would just be like, this is unbelievable. And I feel like if we 
go 30 years from now into the space and consciousness that I absolutely see is, is where we're headed, we would look now and go, how did people ever get anything done? They were so separate. They actually thought they don't know, you know, they didn't know what each other felt and they couldn't feel each other. I mean, we would just think it was insane that human beings ever thought that we could cooperate or get anything to work. Well, we're certainly in that spot right now, though, aren't we? You think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Well, I sure hope you're right, because it's, yeah. it's kind of a modern mess out there at the moment. <laughs> well, it, I mean, I was fortunate. I, at 18 years old, I was with, in, the, in 1971. Um, I was with Warner Earhart when he started EST, and then it turned into Landmark, and all the coaching schools and transformation as a buzzword came from the work we did. And it was way at the beginning. I mean, nobody was doing anything, pretty much. A little bit of meditation or going to India and a little bit of psychology and nobody talked about it. <laughs> so I know, and I went to Woodstock when I was 15. So I know what the beginning feels like. I know it. I know when it's the beginning and when nobody else understands and then I see where it goes. And this is that. Um, I started this 10 years ago and nobody was talking about you know, we space or from me to we, um, maybe obviously they're enlightened shamans, but you know, it's now beginning to move in that direction and there will be more and more people, you know, that you'll be talking to that will be innovating in that area. More and more people will be attracted to it. I feel. Well, we'll have to pick up with the we space on the other side of yet another commercial break. <laughs> Patricia and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is The Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our amazing topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. 
Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? I always love to hear from my listeners. Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or a guest that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one interested. Our guest this hour is Patricia Albier, author of Evolutionary Relationships, Unleashing the Power of Mutual Awakening, and the founder and director of Evolutionary Collective. Her website, evolutionarycollective.com. Patricia, we were just going into, so there's a couple things that I was interested in, and one of them was the inner being you speak about, and the other is we mysticism. Hmm. Okay. Which one do you want to hear? Let's go with the we mysticism first. Okay. Um... Another way of, of looking at the consciousness that we're developing is mystics traditionally went directly into their experience of the divine. So they're not trying to learn the laws of truth or something in order to use it in the world. Their intention was always to surrender, you know, to be taken over by, to become one with. Um, and it's, uh, it's the path of the, of the lover, really, you know, it's more of a beloved kind of bhakti, give oneself over. And it was always an individual path. So it was always, you know, the your praying and longing for God or Jesus, or, you know, whoever was the, the divine that you felt the most connected to. We mysticism um, is still a mystical path. So it still has to do with the methodologies and the and the perspectives and the way in which um, I'm teaching in particular and the way it was given to me with Peter, it was a surrender. I was shown things. I, I wasn't taught how to do something. I was taken. And this is about it coming between us. So, so it's you and I begin to lean in to a practice together and then it's a threesome, you know, that we are taken into the mystical in mystical dimensions that are actually new. Like we've been experiencing uh, in our practices with the collective and people practice with each other individually. And then we do larger, you know, mandalas and groups and different things. And so often it's interesting. We, we're experiencing almost like there are new organs that want to be grown like that, that, that the divine is wanting to have almost like a, a a giant saint, you know, instead of like one enlightened being, it's like to have a collective that has the kind of awakening and purity. And then we have so much more room, like to experience that spondic love and the kind of healings. Like there are people inside the collective that individually things have happened for I mean, me personally, um, I, I had cancer uh, a year and a half ago. Um, I was, I'm sorry you know, to hear that. Yeah, I, me too. And yeah. you know, I, I was, I'm so connected with this group in, in a way that is like a, having a bigger organism that when I was getting chemo, I only threw up twice. I mean, I was some, it was such a non-issue. It was like everybody was kind of like, we, it was almost like we couldn't remember that I'd had cancer because it was so it was so much of a non-event in a particular way that I individually could never have have been that stoic. Well, we can and get caught stoic. up. We can get yeah. caught up in our in our own issue to the point that we uh, exasperate it. I mean, <laughs> push it forward. 
um, when we don't have other to counterbalance. Yeah, and there was there's a lift. It's just like you know, a group of people could build a house that I can't do by myself. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lift in the level of that spawn, you know, that the level of mutual awakening and the consciousness that we're sharing has a very high vibration. So it's also pulling people up. It's lifting people's lives in ways that that they can't do just on their own. You know, even just with their own work, like, you know, going to a therapist and doing, I have teachers, I have like people, you know, that, they, you know, that are recognizable, that are in the evolutionary collective. And there's a quality of something that by our sharing and our working together in this way, you can't move individually at the speed that we're moving. Like right. I've, I've worked with thousands of people and I know, and I've worked with their amount them on their individual work. And there's something that's catapulted in this that's exciting because it also feels like a new possibility for human beings. Because I think our individual work gets to be too linear. It takes too much time. Right. This is so much more multidimensional. And it's like mm-hmm. um, in the beginning when I was talking about how uh, when you build a subroutine in, in neurological pathways in your personal mind, you greatly shorten because it becomes a, a unified thing, the subroutine. Yeah. Right. And and if we start building those between individuals, we're going way multidimensional there, and it'll really shorten the time it takes us to accomplish something. Yeah. No, it's quite it's quite extraordinary because even all the I, I know a lot of the different people who have developed um, you know human human development, different kinds of stages and levels and higher levels, and all the studies that they've done are only on individuals. Like nobody's studied something like what we're doing is so kind of out there because people's individual movement doesn't make sense according to what it should, you know, the, the, how much time it should take to move through various levels of human development. It's going much faster and it's stabilizing in ways that are unusual. Well, you know, so many prophecies, um, ancient prophecies say that during these times, um, time would speed up. I mean, that's, that's cited various places. What do you think? Yeah. Is it an astrological event? Why are we in a position now to engage in this? Um, I, I do feel like it's because we've, we've gotten to the point of having so many people on the planet and that we have done it. We've done fairly well. You know, we're not great, but we've done fairly well in our individual development. So like we're, we've, we've hit a point of cultural base to move to the next step. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bruce Lipton, who you may have interviewed in your time, you know, the the biologist who wrote The Biology of Belief and um, Spontaneous Evolution, you know, I, I think he's correct. And Tehart also points to the same thing. You know, we think, you know, our bodies are made of billions of cells. And then there's us, you know, then there's we as individuals. Why wouldn't the evolution continue to to begin to work with our consciousness so that we then as individuals and billions of individuals start to be able to actually access that unification. I mean, so that that... we are being orchestrated by something greater. We're not just listening to our own subjective ideas and where I want to go and what I want to do and who I think I am and feeling good about myself. Like all of that is so gets in the way of, of a larger orchestration. And so we just need to get freer. So it's, it's like, it's always been there. We're just changing where we're paying attention. Right. I mean, when people get, start to access the consciousness of mutual awakening, it's so liberating, number one. It's a lot easier. 
And um, there's a quality in the consciousness, rather than witnessing, you know, which you're taught more in meditation, there's this feeling of like a very deep kind of intimacy. It's like you feel like you're inside everything. Like there's a closeness to oneself. You feel like it's that non-local quality of consciousness. Like there's no distance. There's no time. There's no space. Like you're inside everything. And at the same time, there's an incredible experience of spaciousness and flow. So what happens to identity? It, it occurs to me that most of us live out of a false identity. What, yeah. happens, what happens and how do we orient ourselves in the world when, when we go through that shift? Well, the collective, again, having a healthy, it's like having a healthy family. You know, I mean, that would have helped a lot of us, right? From, from yeah, <laughs> what a concept. So, I know. So we now have, like, at least in our, you know, work, we have an extremely healthy collective conscious group. And there's ways in which, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into the development of that. There's something that starts to happen in the relaxation of one's identity inside of being seen, inside of being that spondic, you know, connection of what we're in and for each other. And there's a practice and there's a consciousness that's awakened there. So instead of me feeling like you're going to be competitive with me or you just want something from me or you're objectifying me or all the things that people are normally doing in being separate, there's a consciousness that's, that's dissolving that and that when we discover our separateness, we're kind of curious about it. You know, we're more like, wow, okay, you know, what are we discovering, not just for us, but for humanity? And there's a healing. People get sane. They get saner, um, less drama-filled. Um, actually, there's a, a space that happened this year, which I call issuelessness. And so we've actually, um, when people want to join the Evolutionary Collective, which we open it up, you know, once a year, like in the fall, like if people are interested in November, um, we're going to do a, a four-month, you know, uh, work with people before they come into the collective because we've moved into a place that's pretty issueless. Like people don't have like issues so much in their lives. You know, they've either handled them in a way that they couldn't handle them before or they're not making problems out of things just for the drama sake of it. Um, right, to distract and so, themselves, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we can't really expect people to go from normal into that uh, without you know, an orientation. It's hard to believe, but um, we're actually already out of time, Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> I've had so much fun talking about Me this too. with you. Me yeah, and, and thank you so, so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Our guest this hour has been Patricia Albier, author of Evolutionary Relationships, Unleashing the Power of Mutual Awakening, and the founder and director of the Evolutionary Collective. Her website, evolutionarycollective.com. This has been the Science of Magic. Join our email family to be the first to receive our thought-provoking, topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Don't forget to tune in to xzbn.net to listen to the other fine shows and hosts available there. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you embrace evolution. Searching through